you're listening to the Umetra Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by PharmaSave. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Today's guest is Mohammed Shair. Mohammed is a legal professional who strives by the motto, question everything, the answer you seek is there. Assalamu alaikum, Mohammed, how are you? Wa alaikum assalamu I'm doing well, alhamdulillah. So your career, um, we're going to talk a bit about how you got into uh, this field and the steps that you took to get here. Um, it's an interesting journey, so I'm excited for everyone to hear about it. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? And, inshallah, it's helpful. Like uh, Inshallah, I think, yeah, of yeah. course it will be. Um, it's always uh, very beneficial to hear about someone else's journey. Um, so can you start by telling us a little bit about your own background? Um, you know, what inspired you as a child to pursue this, this career? Or did you know as a child that you wanted to do this? So uh, it didn't come to me when I was young that I, I, for sure I'd become an, a lawyer or I'd be in the legal field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a slow progression or that, you know, it was the right fit and it made the most sense to me. Uh it definitely, you know, I could, looking back, I can see that the the foundations for it were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as a child of immigrants uh, and uh, as a Palestinian, I was uh, inherently political. So mm-hmm. I, since a young age, I was involved in politics. And uh, that slowly, you know, put me in a position where uh the legal field was right. What was the thing that had the most impact on you that made you feel that this was the right field for you? Um, it, it was the personal impact that the law had on me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my parents were illegal in the United States for a significant part of my life. Uh, uh, and I had to uh, see the struggles that they had to go through. And, uh, and I think that impacted me a lot in terms of, because not only were they illegal immigrants, but they were also taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, while he was trying to become a legal citizen, uh, he was, you know, taken advantage of uh, um, a lot, actually, for, uh, by people who would promise him things and wouldn't uh, deliver what they said. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that pushed me to, you know, be a fair attorney to make sure that didn't happen to anybody else. Because mm-hmm. I saw like how it would, how it personally affected me, and uh, I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody else. Growing up, when you saw your parents in that position, um, was it scary for you at the time? Oh yeah, it was. It was very scary. Um, uh, actually growing up in Tampa, Florida, we mm-hmm. have a, a history of government, 
uh, intrusion in the lives of the Muslim community there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, on, I can distinctly remember uh, a time when, uh, you know, FBI officers came to my home to ask my father questions. And uh, I remember times where, you know, my father wasn't able to drive because he didn't have a driver's license. So it, it put me in a position where I was uh, at times scared, uh, at mm -hmm. times uh, fearful, at times worried. Um, but these are the things that I think uh, pushed me uh, to be where I am today. Yeah. Uh, do, do you use this as, a, as your drive when you, I mean, you do work on um, specifically issues of immigration. Yeah, so what I've uh, specialized in in the law is immigration issues. So mm -hmm. I, I currently work at a law firm called Al Shrenobian Associates in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And the things that I specialize in are immigration issues to uh, with people who have been detained, people who are trying to come to the United States, people who are uh, facing, you know, issues with the immigration process. Mm -hmm. Now, you said earlier that you used, um, or this this field is like the way that you made sense of the world. Uh, what did you mean by that? So, um, the law is, a, it's, a, it's, it's not like a, a firm thing, you know, it's, it's something we want to understand. And uh, it has certain principles that it follows, no mm -hmm. matter what. Um, there, there's justice, this idea of justice that we want, you know, uh, as followers of Ahlul Bayt, we want, we recognize that the Imam of our time, Ajallah Ta'ala Faraj was Sharif, he's going to bring a ideal form of justice that we are currently trying to strive for. And um, these principles are, are a part of the system called the law, the legal system, the, mm -hmm. the, um, and that, that's the way I've approached it. I, I, I recognize not everybody will approach the law and think of it that way, but that's, that's, that's how I've been able to uh, think about it. And I think mm -hmm. that has a connection to what I studied in undergrad and what I um, personally have a passion for. So tell us a bit about your studies in undergrad and that experience. Yeah, so... Um, in undergrad, I did I studied philosophy and religious studies. I double majored, um, and uh, this comes from a desire to understand what's going on around me and what's going what 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 is you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, religion uh, has been deeply important to me uh, since a young age. My parents were instilled that into me. I, I remember ever since I was young, we would constantly be at the masjid. You know, uh, I went to an Islamic school. I graduated from an Islamic school in Tampa. Uh, and uh, that, it was always around me. And so the, uh, I wanted to make sense of it because, yeah, I, I grew up and was born a Muslim, but uh, there's so many other religions around me. Mm -hmm. and so I have uh, tried to understand these differences and create a foundation for myself in my own religion. And so I think the, the philosophy uh, helped me create the foundations of religion and the religious studies in terms of comparative, you know, what are the similarities and differences that Islam has with other religions? 
Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about it in this way, it sounds like you're living, you know, an alienation within an alienation within. <laughs> it's like this yeah. sort of experience that just never ends. I think it's kind of a, it's kind of the human experience, and not everybody comes to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's a part of the human experience to, uh, uh, to be alienated. You know, everybody, you know, when you're in college, people talk about, you know, your existential crisis, you know, mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, it's a rite of passage going through undergrad is to, uh, you know, question existence and reality. And I think that happened to me quite often, even to this day. Uh, and I, I appreciate it because it, it's humbling for one, but also, it, I think it brings me closer to the, you know, as much as I want to say that I know things, I really don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And the, the dealing with alienation is is uh, something every immigrant is going to have to deal with and every person is going to have to deal with. You know, I was alienated from my peers by being a Muslim and, you know, throughout my life in middle school, high school, I was alienated for them for having, you know, being darker, being, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's different forms of alienation and uh, being aware of them, I think is, is, it's, it's a double sided sword, you know, it's double edged, you know, it could help and it can harm. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, with foundation and specific Islamic principles, I think it'll definitely be able to help because we shouldn't stray away from these difficulties. I think the difficulties that we face are uh, are helpful and make us who we are. You think that no matter the circumstances, people should stay true to their beliefs in themselves? Yeah. So I, of course, the our our foundations are who we are. You got to know mm-hmm. where you come from, who you are, and where you're going. I feel like those are like three basic things that everybody should think about and understand. Like, uh, and these you shouldn't, you should stay true to them. You know, I, I would never change my name from Muhammad to Mo because mm-hmm. Muhammad is, is, is who I am. I am. I would never tell somebody that I'm from Tampa, Florida. I usually start off by saying I'm Palestinian because mm-hmm. that, that background is a part of who I am. And it's important that people recognize that about themselves as well. Uh, we should not stray away from who we are. Rather, we should accept it and make it a part of ourselves because if you don't accept it it will always cause issues in your life and in your uh in your life and in your progression as a person mm-hmm. it's gonna hold you back if you don't accept it and move on and it helps a lot within uh knowing who you are in the work field um, yeah, in the definitely. Workforce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah of course it, it helps you do better it helps you uh, i think people respect it as well mm-hmm. you know uh, when s- someone sees that you're not giving up who you are for a job or a position, uh, it's respected. Uh, it, it, your peers will respect you for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So let's get into how to become a lawyer. Can you tell us the process? Okay, so um, you, for, to get into law school, uh, you have to take your LSAT uh, mm-hmm. and you, in undergrad, you can have pretty much any degree. Uh, I did philosophy and religious studies, but uh, 
a lot of my peers did political science, literature, even some of the sciences. I had a friend who did chem had did his undergrad in chemistry. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I know a lot of people with because the law is so wide and expansive. You could be interested in getting into patent law. You could be interested mm -hmm. in criminal law. You could be interested in uh, tort liability. You can be interested in immigration or civil rights. Um, it's, since it's so expansive, uh, it's it's good to know what specific type of law you might want to get into. And so your undergrad kind of helps uh, push you towards a certain path. So if you're doing computer science or computer engineering, that might help you be a patent lawyer. Um, you know, if you're doing economics and finance, that might help you to do mergers and acquisitions uh, after law school. So mm -hmm. you do your undergrad, you take your LSAT, and you apply to the law schools that you want to go to. And, and uh, yes, I was going to say, what's the hardest part of this process? Um, the LSAT. So LSAT is a, it's not an easy exam, just mm -hmm. like anybody would tell you for the MCAT or the D, DAT uh, for medical school, medical school and dental school. Uh, the, the LSAT is not an easy exam. It's heavily logic based. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think my philosophy background helped in that because you have to take a logic class. So it's, mm -hmm. it's formal logic and it's, uh, it's help makes you think in a specific ways and that's a requirement once you go into law school as well uh you they in most law schools there's something called the socratic method that uh is the teaching method mm -hmm. and uh it's very 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 logic based and so the elsa is something you have to take a a few months of studying for and do you only take it once or it, does it change from state to state so the LSAT, uh, you can take it once and apply across the country. And most law schools accept, uh, you know, it's a uniform LSAT admissions. Mm -hmm. uh, once you graduate from law school, so after admissions through law school, and law school is a, a three-year doctorate program, you graduate with a Juris Doctor. Mm -hmm. It's a professional a doctorate. And uh, you then apply for the bar exam. Uh, the bar exam is not uniform across the country. So the bar exam is specific to each state. Uh, there have been pushes to have uniform bar exams. So certain states have accepted something called the UBE, which is the uniform bar exam. So mm -hmm. states like New Jersey, New York, Texas, they've accepted uh, uniform bar exams. So if you, you could transfer your grades within a certain period of time. But for example, Michigan and Florida, there is no reciprocation. So uh, for example, I'm taking the Florida bar exam, uh, but I'm in Michigan, so I'll have to take both the Florida and the Michigan bar exam to practice law in these states. Okay. Um, but the good thing about immigration law is because it's uh, federal law and not state specific, you can practice immigration with whichever uh, bar license you have. So if I'm practicing immigration law, I can practice it in, if, I, if I'm licensed in Florida, I can practice immigration law in Florida and as well as any other state because the type of law I'm dealing with is not specific to the state, but it's a federal, uh, federal uh, law. Mm -hmm. And you've been working at your current uh, law, firm for, law firm for the past year? It's been about a year now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And I've worked at other immigration law firms previously in Florida. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, quite a learning experience. Uh, there, there's so many nuances in each specific avenue of the law that uh, you, once you find something you're interested in, it's best to stick to it. You know, uh, if I wanted to get into patent law, I wouldn't know where to start or even like insurance or uh, no fault or, you know, car accidents. These, they, once you get into a field, it's usually where you stick. There's certain fields mm -hmm. like, you know, criminal and family law that are not as uh, different from each other, but uh, it's usually specific. And when you find something you're interested in, it's best to stick to it. So how many cases have you worked on um, in this, in, in your current job? Um, count, I, a lot, uh, mm -hmm. over, over 50 cases, I think I've, I've uh, come across. And how many immigration related? Most of our immigration. So uh, I would say like 90% mm -hmm. uh, are immigration based. Can you give us an example um, of a case you worked on that was a little um, challenging for you? Um, so I'll probably talk about like two different types of challenges when mm -hmm. I, in, in, uh, that I, I faced. So one of them would be, uh, whenever I deal with deportation cases in immigration court, and then the other would be, uh, arguments or appeals that I have to write. So, uh, so the first would be, you know, when I'm filing in immigration court, that someone shouldn't be deported. There's mm -hmm. a heavy weight on one's shoulder that, you know, I don't want to separate this man or woman from their family. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of weight there and a lot of responsibility because the, the legal system at times you can uh, try to sneak some emotion in there, but it's usually very dry and you know, the, the judge is trying to figure out who has the best argument and if all the laws have been followed. So a recent, uh, you know, deportation case, I was, you know, I was went twice to immigration court. I, this guy came with his wife and kids. And, you know, the sticking point, you know, that we were worried about was, does this man's sponsor uh, make enough money to take care of his own family and the deportation cases family. So something mm -hmm. the Trump administration has uh, pushed really hard for is uh, the, the public charge issue. So the public charge is someone, they wanna make sure that immigrants to this country won't be a strain on the mm -hmm. uh, services mm -hmm. of this country. So they don't want them to get food stamps. They don't want them to get certain public assistances. And so they want to make sure that the people that are helping them stay in the United States are willing to help them and make enough money to help them. And so that so we, I was sitting there at the edge of my seat for like half an hour as the immigration judge and the uh, ICE, so the Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, attorney were trying to calculate if there was an, they were making enough money. And alhamdulillah, it worked out and this client was able to get his green card and stay with his family. Uh, but, you know, when it, it was it was nerve wracking and it was very difficult. And, and that's, that's such a hard thing to experience um, for yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 
uh, it's uh, because, you know, any little mistake, mm-hmm. it falls back on me. Yeah. And you don't want to be the person that separated a husband from his wife and a father from his children. Yeah, just because you didn't do your job <laughs> well yes, enough. Yes, there's a very high sense of responsibility. Yeah. And the other difficult thing is making a proper argument uh, when you're never in front of anybody. So with immigration court, you are in front of a judge, you interact with people. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's say I'm writing an appeal or a, a you know, so there's different forms and arguments you can do. So there's like a, a certain appeals to reopen or reinstate someone's uh, immigration status or mm-hmm. appeal a decision that was made. And these are completely argument-based. You never see anybody. And so you're just arguing that this person should come to the United States. This person should not leave. This person deserves a specific right. And that is just up to you and your argument. So it requires a lot of research and it requires, that's where the logic comes in that since admissions into law school, they're trying to instill in an attorney or a lawyer is that you have to be able to write a cohesive argument that mm-hmm. is persuasive. And that, so, that's that gets difficult. Yeah. And what other skills do you need to be an attorney or a good attorney? You need to be hardworking, honest, and intelligent. You know, uh, you have to be able to, you know, use your reasoning skills to make a good argument, but you have to be, you know, it's not only the intelligent, you also have to be hardworking. You got to be able to put in the hours to do the research mm-hmm. there for your clients. Another thing is client relationships. You're dealing with real people that have real issues. You know, I'm dealing with, you know, maybe five to 10 cases at a time, everybody, each one of these people thinks their case is the most important case. And so you're dealing with clients that, uh, especially now have your personal information. So I usually, from before the Corona COVID-19 issues, you know, I wouldn't give away my personal phone number. And I usually talk to clients from the office, but now that's a little more difficult. And so now clients have my personal number and they call me at, you know, seven o'clock during dinner. And you, know, you got to realize that these people, uh, they, they are going through a tough time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm working on uh, a father is away. You know, he came to the United States from Iraq and his family is stuck in Iraq and he's worried about them and he wants them to return. Yeah. And so he's nervous. He wants his family back. He's worried about them. Uh, and I understand, I empathize, and that's very important for, uh, especially the this immigration laws. You have to have empathy. Is it hard to balance um, these emotions when you're working on cases like these? You know, um, sometimes you gotta put your emotions aside and absorb them later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta make the argument, do the hard work, and think about the emotional impact later because the the system does not care about your emotions. Mm-hmm. I know that might sound like it's a tough uh, thing to say, but it's the truth. It's the, mm-hmm. the reality of the situation that we have to face. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. 
and you know you, you that's what the support system is for you know that's what you know being able to talk to my wife about some of these different mm-hmm. talk to my friends uh and my my mentor actually the the law firm i'm working out the head attorney Muhammad Sharnobi has been a great mentor for me and uh he's been doing it for over 20 years and so it's good to have mentors in your life that you can talk to even you know law school I've throughout my whole life I can you know a lot of people have had a lot of a great impact on me yeah. you know I've you know I, I can name a few off the top of my head that if they weren't there I don't know if I'd be able to you know be where I'm at now just mm-hmm. like my parents my my sisters my some of a few of my teachers uh these mentors uh, help a lot yeah when people are I'm, I'm just thinking of the people who are not able to um access you know a lawyer or someone who can protect uh their rights is there information available out there for them to understand what their rights are if they don't have that ability um, or access so, to someone? So there's uh, two organizations I've worked with in the past uh, is CARE and Engage. So CARE is the Council on American Islamic Relations. Mm-hmm. And they provide phenomenal uh, immer- uh, legal assistance legal assistance for anybody who needs it so uh, care florida has one of the best uh, civil rights legal departments that i've seen in any nonprofit, and they give free legal advice and services to those who need it and when i was there i dealt with a variety of issues from employment discrimination to uh, there was immigration issues and so the access to law is is very important Mm-hmm. And knowing your rights is extremely important. And Engage is a uh, political nonprofit that makes sure people knows their political rights. So both of them, uh, they kind of to a coin of different sides of the same coin, you know. Uh, and I recommend that anybody who wants to get into the legal field to, you know, give their time and effort to nonprofits that give free services. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, recognize that not everybody has access to certain privileges. So the law is right. You know, it could be restricted to people who have enough money to hire an attorney. But, you know, organizations like CARE kind of help uh, break that. And there's also attorneys are encouraged to do pro bono hours. So mm-hmm. an attorney is encouraged to give free legal services to to people um, every year. You know, it's recommended to do like 20 hours a, uh, a year of free legal uh, advice and services. And I think especially as um, within your experience, and I think a lot of experiences of children of immigrants, um, it's extremely important to know your, lo- your rights and where you stand within um, the law, no matter what position you're in. Yeah, so uh, a lot of knowledge about the law comes from interactions with the law. And uh, since we are the children of immigrants, we haven't had that interaction uh, and that knowledge base. And so uh, there's certain things that even 
with the knowledge we can't really do and it it's part of the progression that is needed in in the in the united states is that uh we need to create generational wealth uh, how do we create generational wealth if we don't have access to an attorney that can help with you know estate planning and uh you know a trust fund or something there, mm-hmm. there's things that could be used to make sure that uh you know i can preserve some of the wealth for my children and my grandchildren and you know that that can be useful to people and it's, it's very important that we have knowledge about these things so unfortunately we've come to the end of our show um Hamad, it was a pleasure speaking to you but before we end um can you give us your final message uh to our listeners I think it'd have to go back to the my my quote question everything the answer is there I think uh, uh, we are on a journey through life if you don't ask the questions you won't get the answers uh, so a- ask questions ask questions and you know ask questions you should always ask a question don't be afraid or worried about asking a question and uh, strive for the answer it won't always be Uh, right there in front of you but you will be able to find an answer if you're honest to yourself and sincere thank you so much Muhammad. it was lovely speaking with you and learning more about your experience thank you for sharing with us well, it was my pleasure and inshallah someone can uh, gain some assistance from what I've provided inshallah assalamualaikum You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Umentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the iTunes or SoundCloud podcast so you never miss another show? Did you know you can also listen on your Alexa-enabled device by just saying, Alexa, play Umentor Talk Show on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for our current speaker or prior speakers, please email us at mentor at remojaoutreach.org and we will get feedback from our speaker. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guests.